0: sex drugs and spirituality with sydney delorean that's me we're here with hashtag fan favorite rob love how's it going rob
1: oh pretty good sydney thank you very much for asking that's right hashtag fan favorite uh here to talk about a legend an american legend i would say
0: so, okay, so we're doing an episode about Howard Hughes, which the listeners know because they have fucking eyeballs and they press play on an episode titled Howard Hughes. <laughs> um, what inspired you to, to to want to do an episode about him?
1: Well, I mean, I've heard of him and like there's, you know, all of his like iconography, you know, all of... Um, for my whole life basically he's just like one of those background characters in you know modern history yeah but i never really i never really knew that much about him like i knew he had something to do with airplanes i knew he had something to do with film um i knew he had some you know there was weird stuff later in his life about being a rake a recluse and all that kind of stuff long like, fingernails really knew the whole yeah, the long fingernails and toenails and hair and everything, and uh, the pee in the jars apparently. Uh, but like, I didn't really know the whole story, so it was sort of an excuse for me to just like learn the story of howard Howard Hughes, just so I could have a you know a topic to discuss, I guess.
0: Okay. <laughs> um yeah all right uh, have you
1: what do you know sydney wait wait okay what before you start reading information what do you what was your pre-knowledge of howard hughes uh
0: yeah basically what you just said airplanes fingernails um <laughs> I guess we're going to learn together. I'm going to try to follow along. Uh, Just so the listeners know, I I have really bad cramps, and uh, I'm barely functioning as a human being. So uh, if I sound a little out of it, I'm not on drugs. I just have my period real hard. And I was not going to cancel recording because, um, you know, I'm so loyal to the listeners that through rain, sleet, snow, menstruation, all pod.
1: Nice. Yeah. I like a good menses pod.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the best where I'm, I'm bleeding my brain out of my vagina and it's just, um, it sounds like someone undergoing a lobotomy, like not that they had a lobotomy, but the lobotomy is currently happening and they have a microphone in front of them. Um, so that's that's what's happening uh, and it's like it's humid here, and I wanna turn my fan on, but it, I like I turned it off because i also I care so much about the listeners. I'm willing to be uncomfortable for them uh. <laughs> So anyways... We
1: got another... Uh, You're a candidate for hashtag fan favorite.
0: Yeah, I... With
1: all you're willing to endure. I mean, geez, you do it for the listeners. I
0: do. I do it all for the listeners. Like, every time I do mushrooms on Patreon, it's not because I want to... Oh, fuck me. Did I really do that? I've been recording into the wrong hole. So the first half of this episode, they're going to hear the Skype version of it. Fuck. Dude, I'm such a failure. I hate myself. Um, okay. I, I recorded
1: not... into the wrong hole. I recorded into the wrong hole once on accident,
0: yeah. but yeah. it
1: was just an accident.
0: And that's how you became a parent—is you accidentally recorded into the vagina when <laughs> you should have <laughs> recorded into the mouth or the anus. Um, <laughs> I like there was a better way to say that, but wrong hole makes sense to me. Anyways, now listeners are hearing of higher quality audio than we started the episode with. Fuck. Uh, uh, I need a producer, but I can't afford to pay one. Um, okay. So, uh, what was I saying? Howard Hughes. Oh, you
1: don't know much about Howard Hughes? Yeah. But we're all about to learn, we're all about to learn together. Although, mm-hmm. let it be said, let it be known, listeners, that I did research, I've done a lot of research, I read a pretty long article, I paid two ninety nine dollars on YouTube to watch a documentary. Oh, fuck. That, yeah. And uh, I listened to two full-length podcasts about Howard Hughes. And I'm not going to cite any of those sources because I don't have them at hand.
0: Fuck yeah, Rob. That's but that's the spirit of the show. Extensive if, research, no citations because we don't have fucking interns. Like every time I someone's like is like, "Oh, the host uh, didn't do their research or didn't cite their whatever." I'm like, "Yeah, I don't <laughs> I'm not NPR, bitch. I don't have unpaid interns." like we don't you know what i mean we're we're working adults with fucking jobs and shit um, i think
1: i think the rule i think the rule is we have to be making money off of other people's information before it becomes a crime
0: yeah so, no it's not, not a crime but i'm just saying when people like are like this isn't like they they think it's it's not up to the standard of production like yeah bro if you want like A fucking professional journalistic podcast. Look for one that's produced by, I don't know, NPR, Wondery, Panoply, like an actual media outlet that has a staff. Um, We're just a couple of kids in their in their in their 40s.
1: Sydney, um, who is this episode brought to us by again?
0: Oh, this episode is brought to us by. Thank you, Robert. (laughs) This episode is brought to us by Hanes 100% Cotton Granny Panties, Let That Kitten Breathe, and Diet A&W, Because Dicks Don't Burp On Themselves.
1: Okay, now that we got our sponsors out of the way, let's get into this whole Howard Hughes story, shall we?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, Howard (laughs) Robard, not Robert, Robert, like with a D? Robard?
1: Yeah, Robard. Uh, Howard
0: Robard Hughes Jr., Sorry, I just burped because I was drinking Diet A&W. Hold on. There we go. Dicks don't burp on themselves. Uh, this bro was born December 24th, 1905. He was an American business magnate. Wait, wait,
1: where, was, wait, where was he born? Where, where was he born, though? Because I, I have a joke about I it.
0: I don't know. I'm just reading the wiki. It doesn't say.
1: He was born in Houston, Texas, which is how that city got its name no move on
0: i don't think that's true okay move on (laughs) um all right he was a business magnate investor record-setting pilot engineer film director philanthropist and he was one of the most influential and financially successful individuals in the world He became uh, prominent as a film producer and then as an important figure in the aviation industry. Later in life, he became known for his eccentric behavior and reclusive lifestyle.
1: So basically everything we just said, yeah. I did a little bit of research, so I know some of his early history. Let me start with when he was... When he was a young boy, okay. but unless you have something. No, 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 else no! Add.
0: I just scrolled down to the early biography part of the wiki, and there's a picture oh, of okay. him wearing like a little um, outfit in 1912, and he looks like a guy who likes berries and cream, and um, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, he. You know what he looks like? He, well, okay, looks, so his
0: he looks like the child version yeah. of the guy on the Quaker Oats container.
1: I feel like. Somebody, somebody should have kidnapped him as we'll get into it. But anyway, he was very kidnappable.
0: Yeah, but he looks like a kid that would get real fussy. You know what I mean? Like he'd just be annoying (laughs) and then you'd want to return him.
1: (laughs) So he's, his dad, his dad, uh, I guess what Howard Hughes senior or something, but, um, Unless he has a different name. I Again, I'm not, I don't have any information in front of me right now.
0: Uh, yeah, his he, dad was Howard was a, uh, Robard Hughes Sr.
1: Perfect. So he was an engineer kind of guy. He worked for, I guess he like worked for an oil company. I don't know. But ended up, he ended up making a huge fortune by design, patenting a new type of drill bit for searching for oil, for drilling for oil,
0: uh-huh. that
1: would go through rock, that would go through rock better, and they called it the rock eater drill bit, I think.
0: Your mom's but, a cock um, eater. Other
1: drill bits. Oh, heyo! <laughs> so uh, other other drill bits of the time would wear out super quickly and need to be replaced often, and it was a huge expense to like all of that process so um he invented a better drill bit that saved time and money but he um would only allow people to rent it instead of you couldn't just purchase his he wouldn't just sell you one he would rent you one so he i mean it's almost like a subscription model you know what i mean like yeah it's like a netflix
0: situation
1: Totally. So, <clears throat> um, so he made he made a huge, tremendous fortune, and um, his father did, and so young, young Howard Hughes, I think, pretty much grew up pampered his entire life, and his mom was kind of a weirdo. Well, let's get it. Like, first of all, his his paternal, his dad's mom was like kind of a weirdo and this is foreshadowing for later on but like his dad's mom was kind of a weirdo um, his paternal grandmother was like OCD and like super super germaphobic and whatever and like Oh
0: for real was, his dad's that, mom
1: Yeah, his dad's mom was that way but also his his own mom was was, like, OCD in a different way. And so all of this, like, kind of rubbed off on a young Howard Hughes in his early childhood and kind of contributed towards his own, like, whether, you know, whether it was innate or, you know, n- nature or nurture, but, like, it all had an effect on, I think, his, his later life. Like, because he exhibited undiagnosed, like, OCD agoraphobia all like all these things that are now part of the like ICD ten, I can't D- ten code or whatever it's called the
0: DSM five but
1: like I guess the you know but back then they didn't have words for it I guess so but anyway they'd be so, like sometimes hey.
0: people be like that
1: sometimes people be like that, like just like returning soldiers were called shell shocked. Oh yeah. He's just a, he's a closet case, you know?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Your dad's a closet case.
1: Hey, (laughs) Oh, but so he grew up pretty pampered. And like I said, his mom, he was a total mama's boy too. Like he never left his mom's side. And, um, she exerted a lot of control over him, like, um and then also, like, when he came of age to go to, like, high school or whatever, they decided to send him off to, like, a boarding school when he was, like, 16 or something like that. Or, no, actually, I think, I think this nerd, I, I could be wrong, but I think this nerd, like, graduated college at 16 or something like that uh, he was that kind of nerd he was like an elon musk nerd
0: we're talk- uh, let's but see. Uh,
1: but anyway so let me just finish while you look at that let me just finish about his mom when they decided to send him off to boarding school it was during the polio pandemic and she was super freaked out about it. i mean it has like um inklings of this corona thing but like um She was super freaked out to send her boy off to some place where, at the time, there was a spike in, like, polio cases. And, um, so she was super freaked out. She, like, called every day. She called the, like, superintendent every day to, like, make sure that he wasn't, like, getting, you know, exposed to whatever and stuff. And I think this may have, he may have had some kind of hospitalization early on. I might be talking out of my ass right now. But I feel like he might have been sick early, but maybe not. Maybe not. Anyway. But anyway, so um, so his mom was totally like OCD and germophobic. Um, and that kind of rubbed off on him. But so what did you find? Did you find any, anything out?
0: No, it's know, weird. Wherever? The early biography part of Wiki isn't really In chronological order. So, let's see. He, uh, at a young age, he showed an interest in science and technology. He had a great engineering aptitude and built Houston's first wireless radio transmitter at 11. Uh, He was the first licensed ham radio operator in Houston. Um, he... Oh, and he
1: was super interested in airplanes from an early age, too. Yeah. And this is right at the time of, like, he was born in, what, like, 1912 or something? like. No, he was born in 1905,
0: but he started flying lessons when he was 14. Um, Perfect. There you go. Let's see, he he built a motorized bicycle when he was 12, uh, from parts from his dad's steam engine... Um, he took his first flying lesson at fourteen. He went to the Thatcher School. Who cares? He uh, attended math and aeronautical engineering courses at Caltech um, as a teenager. Uh, his mom died in nineteen twenty-two. Okay,
1: wait, wait, wait. We're, let's let's slow down because we're getting to that. Oh, but yeah, all right. I, what was what was it like to be? What must it have been like to? fly an airplane at the age of 14 in that would have been 1919? What were airplanes... Imagine airplanes in 1919, and you're a 14-year-old boy flying one of them.
0: Yeah, you're just like, hey, (laughs) this is made out of popsicle sticks. Let me hit the air. Yeah,
1: totally. Totally. So anyway, but yeah, so he was base. he was kind of like um, a phenom, you know? He was, a lot of people would say he was on the spectrum.
0: Yeah, I mean, probably, I think, yeah, when you're that bright and you're just constantly like uh, inventing things and making things, like you're a prodigy, like even if you aren't on the spectrum, it's going to create some like social isolation in a way because you can't relate to your peers.
1: Well, Yeah. <clears throat> and he was also also a lifelong loner, and I'm I forget what the contributing factors were towards that. But he was an only child for one thing. Um, but he just never gravitated towards making friends at school and stuff. Like he would always just kind of like choose to be by himself. Well, it was probably you know, boring, he was the kid.
0: You know what I mean? When you're bright, like in the I same guess. way that like a lot of um, bright kids do poorly in school because like it's boring to them because they're so advanced beyond that. Like probably his peers were boring to him or he just had nothing to talk to them about. So he's like, I'll be in the garage building ham radios and motorized bicycles.
1: (laughs) And I think he was famously a poor student. Like I don't, I could be, I don't think he like graduated or whatever. I think he attended all these, uh, classes, but he—I don't think he graduated. No, like, he, I don't think he, he dropped degrees.
0: out um, after his dad's death. He dropped out of university. Okay, yeah. So
1: we're so we're get we're getting into the the death of his parents. So I believe it was his mom died first. Is that true?
0: Yeah, she died in 1922. She had complications from an ectopic pregnancy. For people who don't know what that is. It is when um, an oh wait embryo... can I guess okay okay yes you can I was guess.
1: gonna get I was gonna guess um ek topic so it has something to do with something people are talking about an ec I don't know but like maybe she was too much of a Karen and she was like yammering on about like mask mask rules or something and
0: like it, it's basically that um, but also an ectopic pregnancy is when um, the egg is fertilized and um, implants or it stays in the fallopian tube so then as the uh, fetus grows it explodes the fallopian tube and um, the mother and the child die uh because okay, your the egg goes from the ovary down the fallopian tube and ideally it gets fertilized in the uterus and it implants there. But if the sperm gets all the way up into that tube and it implants in the tube, you're in trouble. Um and uh <sighs> so d- you don't want that. Just, it's one of the many reasons you don't- uh, you know that like sometimes abortion is necessary. Usually, what they do or what they used to do is they would just remove the whole tube. But I had a friend go through it not too long ago, and they gave her drug like she was on like some sort of like chemo type drug to kill the fetus so she could keep her tube. I don't fully understand it because um, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know how that worked. But anyway, so that's what happened. Mom's uh, hey, guess what? Tube exploded.
1: S- Sydney. Sydney, guess what my phone battery is at right now? What? 69.
0: Hey! Boo, 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 <laughs> boo. Um, so his dad died So his mom 2 years ago. His later. mom
1: died for Yeah, right, right. So his mom died and then he went to go live with his dad and then as you said, yeah, his dad who by all reports was healthy and active um Just all of a sudden, like, keeled over, like, during a business meeting or something from a massive heart attack.
0: Well, that's how men used to die, uh, is you just fucking worked and drank and ate, and then you'd be in a meeting, and you'd have a heart attack, and you'd die sometime in your (laughs) early 50s. Like, that's just what being a man meant,
1: So that left him an orphan at the age of 18 Mm -hmm. and he was also the heir um, of this huge fortune um, because at that time, you know, of course, his dad was super wealthy at that point. Um, And for some reason, like the company that his dad owned, started and owned um, like, half of it would go to Howard Hughes Jr., Howard Hughes, and the other half would be split, I think, three ways among other family members, um, like uncles and aunts or something like that. (coughs) But in a totally baller move, um, Howard Hughes decided to buy out um, his relatives' shares of the company. So he, like, made this huge stock purchase essentially and just bought out his his relatives so that he would have sole uh, interest in the company and that's basically what led him to become as they say uh, America's first billionaire
0: oh which is
1: which is crazy which is crazy
0: yeah that is crazy I mean
1: Yeah. So was he an
0: actual billionaire at the time or was he a billionaire if adjusted for inflation?
1: I don't know when it... No, he was a billionaire at the time.
0: Whoa. But I don't
1: know when... Yeah, I don't know when at what point his fortune reached a billion. I don't know if it was when he was 18 or later on once he started building up other stuff. But he was always like... He was kind of like Elon Musk, like always starting new companies. He had... um, he had an aviation company. He had the like the the engineering company or whatever, like the mining, whatever. He had that whole drill bit thing going. Um, and then before long, because he uh, was always a a fan of films and everything, he decided to move. Well, he decided to get into films. He wanted to. He wanted to do that. I think a lot of what. Drove him was trying to surpass his dad's like reputation, you know. Like, he wanted to
0: well, and he wanted to be he probably had an interest in films as well because it was like new technology. Because we're talking about his first uh film was like in 1920 something, like, films were brand new, and he's a guy who likes uh new and emerging technologies. So that for sure, probably part so of the th- fascination. Th-
1: Absolutely, yeah. He wanted to be a front runner in everything that he did, but he was also an aviation fanatic too. So, um, like, I'm a little rusty on some of the like st- the airplanes. I know he, I know he crashed a few planes in his time.
0: Which we should and say back then, like when you were flying, you weren't that high up. <laughs>
1: But he did some. He did. He was always trying to break records and stuff. And I, I, I forget. Maybe it was later on, like, because I think he was starting to build warplanes towards, you know, like in the forties, he was building warplanes and whatever. But in the meantime, he was always trying to kind of like be. He he wanted to be the utmost aviator of his time. Like he was trying to be, like the guy. Yeah. You know, in aviation. So he was always pushing for that. But meanwhile, he had all this other stuff going on. And like you said, he had this interest in, um, he moved, what was it? What was his first movie? Oh, I know his Hang on. Let me go grab my notes because I I actually do have a, what is it? Two by two post-it note Ah! filled with. Yeah, filled with notes, so I'm going to go grab that real quick. Right.
0: Okay, guys, I'm not going to tell you when his first movie was because we're going to wait for Rob to come back and tell you. Uh, even though I'm looking at okay. it right now. I'm back. Okay, Rob's back. I'm back,
1: I'm back, I'm back. His first movie was called Swell Hogan.
0: And it was a And it short. was a
1: total flop. And it was a total flop. Um, he invested all this money into it. Um, it was, he just like met a guy who was like, oh, I'll help you make this movie. And then, um, the guy was like, let's cast this super famous actress. And he was like, nah, uh, Howard Hughes was like, no, nah, no, no, no. Uh, let's ha- cast this other lady instead. She's cheaper. Or I don't know. I don't know what his, uh, rationale was, but they came out with this movie and I forget the plot of it or anything. It was kind of dorky, but like when it aired during the premiere, um, the audience was laughing at all the wrong times. Oh,
0: really? <laughs> it was the room yeah, yeah. of its day?
1: Yeah, it was like, uh, yeah. And what do they call that And uh, when it's a comedy, but you don't mean it to be a comedy? Inadvertent yeah, comedy yeah. or whatever it is. So, um, <clears throat> so it was a total flop, but that didn't dissuade him. He went back to the drawing board and like I think a couple years later you came out. You can you have the list in front of you, I think.
0: Uh so Swell Hogan was a short film. Then he had two films, one called Everyone's Everybody's Acting in nineteen twenty six and two Arabian Nights in nineteen twenty seven. Those achieved financial success. The latter, which would be two Arabian Nights, it won um the first Academy Award for Best Director of a Comedy Picture. Uh, the Racket in 1928 and the Front Page in 1931 were also nominated for Academy Awards. Um, he spent 3.5 million to make the flying film Hell's Angels in 1930.
1: That's a that's a huge one. That's a huge one because um, it was kind of a turning point. Whatever he he basically just financed it himself. It went over, it was like four times over budget. It took like three years to film or something like that. Um, and it's still highly acclaimed as, uh, especially at the time, one of the best like air, you know, films involving planes and stuff like that, as far as special effects go or whatever. Like it was, it was a, Marvel of its time for that. But the plot apparently was a little thin.
0: Oh, sorry. It won an Academy Award for Best Cinematography.
1: Yes, absolutely. At one point, um, he delayed the... Well, at many many points, he delayed the filming because he wanted to get everything just right. But they were filming in Southern California, I think, or in the Southwest. And then um, uh, for the there was like this closing sequence of filming that he wanted to get the clouds. He, he needed the clouds to be just right. And they, they waited around for like four months and the clouds weren't happening (laughs) where they were. So he went and scouted out in like um, British Columbia or something like that. Uh, Maybe Washington state, I forget, but he went up, scouted out this location, said, Oh, this is way better moved the entire everything, the whole everything up there, like, transported all the actors, the crew, everything up there, and then um, got the the footage for that, like, I guess it's, like, the closing scene or something, whatever, but, like, it's a lot of clouds and airplanes coming in and out of clouds and everything. It, it looks pretty cool. I haven't actually watched... That's not the movie I watched, but I would like to see it, Maybe. I guess. Yeah,
0: I mean, if but... it's if, if, Any... it, if it's this marvel that it uh, seems to be, yeah, it's it's probably worth watching. Um, I
1: think it's one of those things where you had to be in the zeitgeist at the time for it to um, be as amazing. As a, well, I mean, you know listen, I mean? I'll
0: tell you this, uh, we all know I'm obsessed with Gone with the Wind, which was 1939, and the special effects and compositing in that film are done better than the compositing in the Star Wars prequels, so when people are like, oh, it's just because CGI wasn't good yet when they made those movies... And I'm like, yeah, but, like, the principles of compositing are the same. Like, you want the resolution to match. You want the shadows to match. So, if they can do high-quality compositing with the technology in 1939, they could apply those same artistic principles in, what, 2000, 2001. Um, But they didn't, and uh, it looks like fucking shit. So, anyways... But, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, if Gone with the Wind still looks fucking great. So I'm sure this movie also looks fucking great. Um, but then he made a movie called then, Scarface <clears throat> in 1932. Is that what yes, the, that's the exactly. other Scarface is based on?
1: Um, no, it's not what it's based on. Um, it was based loosely on um, Capone. Oh. Al Capone. And in fact, at one point during the filming of it, Al Capone sent some minions over there to kind of like, be like, hey, what the heck? What the heck, fella? For real? What's going on here? Yes. Um, but, so nobody... Here's the thing. So he makes the movie. Um, None of... A lot of... uh, Like, I don't know how it worked back then, but distributors, movie houses, whatever, refused to... Um, show the movie because it sort of portrayed more of a romantic side of gangster life oh, I guess oh and they
0: didn't want to like glamorize it instead it? of
1: right at that that didn't fit in with the the narrative of the time of like oh these guys are bad guys they're you know t- you know America's most wanted, whatever um so he went ahead like I think I don't know how it worked out, but it didn't air or it didn't show in very many markets. There were only like fourteen markets that would allow it to show. Um, but he refused. They they actually they said if you make you know if you edit it to make it less you know favorable towards gangsters, then we'll we'll air it or show it. But he was like, nah. It's not worth it. I want to, you know, he was like, he's stuck to his art, you know? So, um, he took the hit and it maybe suffered financially, but in the long run, it, it, it has been widely acclaimed as like a really good movie. Like okay. that's the one I really want to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and let's see, since we're talking about his movie stuff, he was, a. uh, <clears throat> a well-known coxman.
0: I I wanted to get to that, because I was like, was he like a Lothario or a coxman, as they call it? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. In fact, I have a list of ladies right here that he may or may not have buried the salami in. Um, (laughs) First of all, let's go with, I don't know if he did, you know, like had romantic relations with Ida Lupino or not, but he was... um, like, he worked with her and was maybe instrumental in get getting her uh, acclaim as a director. I think she was the first, like, big female director in Hollywood. And um, so he was kind of instrumental in getting a, her a name, and she went on to have a, a storied career. Like, she's, a, you know, award-winning director. Ida Lupino. Um, but as far as chicks that he boned, I'm pretty sure he boned Ginger Rogers, Betty Davis, um, Susan Hayward for sure, maybe Rita Hayworth, although maybe I was just misremembering Susan Hayward and Rita Hayworth. Uh, I think he boned Catherine Hepburn. So he was getting around. He was married like three times or something. Right.
0: Oh, was he? I haven't gotten to that yet.
1: I think so. I think so. But then he like he was married to his his last, I guess his like, you know, last wife, but uh, was like totally bone and chicks on the side the whole time.
0: Yeah. No one uh, was faithful to their wives back then. And then, like they just spread venereal diseases. It's why it's like annoying when people are like, um, "What you call it?" When they're like, "Oh, people are so promiscuous now." And I'm like, "No, they're just like open about the fact that they sleep around." Like people used to just get married. Yeah, people knew how to. Yeah, they.
1: People knew how to keep their mouths shut. Well, yeah, now people get married,
0: like, back then people got married as teenagers, and then they had affairs. Now people don't get married as teenagers, and they just are serial daters. And so that doesn't mean, like, people have more sexual partners in their lifetime than they used to. It just means that they don't have a spouse while they're having those multiple sexual partners. Like, anyways. And now they're smart enough to wear, hopefully (laughs) they're smart enough to use fucking protection. Anyways.
1: Every generation thinks it's the first generation to bone.
0: Well, every it's it's like old people who are like, "Oh, young people sleep around now," and I'm like, "Bro, your husband cheats on you." <laughs> like okay, like nah. sit down, grandma. Your husband had affairs, and it's fine because you fucked the milkman, and that's why your kids are half black, and it's fine.
1: So can we move on to his? Um more of his industrial stuff uh, like yeah. um he's known he's known for a few things uh not the least of which is the HK1 Hercules
0: yes there's like a list of fucking planes i don't like this is the longest wikipedia for anyone i've ever read yeah
1: well he had a storied career And that's why he's an American icon. Yeah. And that's why we're doing an episode about him, Sydney. And that's why the people need to listen.
0: I know. They They
1: need to hear this. They
0: are, as long as they didn't tune out for the first five minutes when I had the mic in the wrong hole and they had to listen to the Skype recording instead of the mic recording. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. Okay, so this plane is called a what? We could start over. No, we're not. We're, it's we
1: could an, start over. Dude,
0: it's an hour and I have fucking craps. We're not starting anything over. We're, we're powering through.
1: I've got time. I've got time. I
0: don't. I want to lay down. I want to get high.
1: Um okay. So okay, so yeah, he made the plane but that was during wartime so during wartime he had this meanwhile he had this Hughes Aircraft Company and at some point he actually owned TWA Trans World Airlines which the youngsters won't Rick recognize but like I I was around, I saw a TWA I might have flown a TWA flight, I don't know
0: There's a hotel but, um, at one of the uh, New York airports like at the actual airport called the TWA Hotel and it's like themed nice. to the uh, heyday of uh, commercial travel the 60s Yeah. and there's like a pool that overlooks the runway it's real cool Anyways, follow them the on ladies- Instagram
1: Back then, the airline, they weren't called flight attendants. They were called stewardesses. Uh-huh. And they were all hot. Yep. And there was, like, it was like getting hired at Hooters. You had to, like, fit a certain body image, and you had to wear a sexy uniform. My ride's here.
0: Hey! boo, 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 comedy.
1: So that was back in the, the heyday yeah. of, of stuff. But anyway, so he had that. Um, I, I, I don't want to overlook, although I don't have the information in front of me, I don't want to overlook his, um, like he was, t- meanwhile, during all this time, he was like test flying airplanes. He did, oh, yeah, here's one. Sorry. Uh, he was the first person, or he did the fastest. He broke the world record for circumnavigating the globe.
0: Yeah, and he didn't get lost like so, that dumb bitch Amelia Earhart.
1: I know, probably putting on lipstick or something. It was like, whoa, whoa, throttle.
0: See, Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> whoa,
1: my mascara's running. Uh oh. It's why like women aren't Idiot. women
0: aren't good drivers or pilots. Am I right?
1: She's probably perioding or something.
0: Dude, I couldn't fucking fly a plane right now because I am perioding.
1: See, hard. That's prob super hard, see that's probably what happened. Yeah. So like but he did a bunch of like test flights and like oh yeah. So he was the first person let's not overlook that. I I I forget what the statistics were but like he and maybe another dude like and it's not like they did it all in one f- like they they landed a bunch of times it's not like they did it like without landing that didn't happen until like the 80s or something
0: yeah i'm sure there were but, you did um, that you couldn't fuel up <clears> enough to do non stop then like you know what i oh, mean oh
1: yeah 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 back then for sure for sure so the, but whatever either way they were like they did the fastest circumnavigation of the globe fun fun fact But he was always trying to push the limit with the flying, and he did some test flight. He crashed, like, 14 planes or something during his life. Yeah, so he... This is, like, all accumulating, like, traumatic brain injury (laughs) also. (laughs) And he was injured um, pretty badly in uh, a couple of these crashes where, like, he suffered lifelong pain and uh, was put on pain medication but he was always kind of wary of like i don't know he he didn't he wasn't trying to like go against his doctor's orders but unfortunately at the time his doctors were giving him codeine which evidently is the worst possible opiate to be on for long-term pain management because it has like some severe it has some severe side effects that like codeine's great for Right away, like tooth pain, you know, like sore throat kind of thing where it's like you need relief right away, but you're not trying to manage lifelong pain with it. Um, it has a lot of like bad consequences. So um, he, but he was like a lifelong co- codeine addict. He would probably would have been better off with morphine or, you know, some of these, you know, like even oxy. He would have been an oxy guy Yeah. these days. But back in the day, you know, they, that's what they had was codeine. So, um, from you know, pretty early on in his life, he he had all these um, injuries, lifelong pain, was was doing drugs the whole time. So that may have you know obviously uh, influenced some some of his behaviors later on, but. Um, so the uh where are we at? Um I don't know. Spruce HK1. Let's go let's just go with the HK1 Hercules.
0: Okay. Which
1: he was contracted to which he was contracted by the US military to build uh during World War II. I think it was like 1943 is when the he started building it.
0: Uh-huh. And
1: his whole thing was he was because um like metal was at such a scarcity at the time there was like rationing you've heard all of this stuff about world war Two. like <clears throat> people were like donating all their scrap metal and scrap fats and yeah. stuff like that for the war effort you scrap your fat have you ever heard of that scrap your fat
0: yeah yeah it's like stop being so fat there's a sl- scrap it
1: no, no, there's a song about, there's like, I, I forget who did it, it might have even been been like a Billy Holiday type person, but there was a song called Scrap Your Fat, and it was basically about donating all of your, like, bacon grease to the military so that they could use it to build bombs with. Okay. Hello? I'm still there. Okay.
0: I'm here, I'm listening, all right. Robert Love.
1: So, the uh, metals were, you know, rationed, and um, at the time, Howard Hughes had this brilliant idea to build a warplane out of wood and not metal. So, he, like, took this contract, I forget, it was like an $8 million contract from the War Department, whatever, and uh, so he started building this plane called the HK1 Hercules. I'm not going to... I'm not gonna say the other name that it's known by that everyone else has heard it by because it's um, it's an uh, it's an epithet. Um, it's hurt. It's hurtful. It rhymes with um, rhymes with um, loose caboose.
0: Okay, okay. What
1: are you doing, Sydney?
0: Nothing. I have fucking cramps. <laughs> I'm trying to follow what the fuck you're talking about. The spruce goose.
1: <laughs> no. HK1 Hercules.
0: I HK1 don't know. HK1 Hercules. I, see, I will not. I see H4 Hercules.
1: Okay, HK1 Hercules. Um, okay. Uh Journalists at the time journalists at the time made fun of his wooden airplane by calling it the thing that you just said, but it was never called that. It was called the HK1 Hercules. Okay. So he's he spent <laughs> So he he spent like it was supposed to be delivered to the military, you know, by the end of the war. Of course, obviously they didn't know when that was gonna be at the time. But he, spent, he went way over time, way over budget. In fact, he, in, he put a bunch of his own money. Like, I think he basically, like, matched the government's uh, budget for the plane. Um, and then, eventually, he was brought up in front of the Senate. He had to, um, uh, whatever. He, they brought him up in front of the Senate because they thought that he was profiteering or, like, trying to, like, grift the government somehow. But, um, he ended up being victorious. In fact, you can go watch the Senate hearings with him, um, arguing in his own defense and, uh, find out that, you know, he was, in fact, a true patriot. He was not trying to grift the government. He was just a little OCD and, uh, wanted everything to be just right. Uh... To the point that it never actually (laughs) made it to fruition. He was a perfectionist, Sydney. This is what I'm trying to say. Yeah,
0: and so he was annoying to work with because everything had to be just right. It's like when people talk about the filming of Titanic and how um, persnickety that that one guy was that made that movie. James Cameron.
1: When he had, apparently, when he was working for his, like, whatever aircraft company, I guess. But at the time, uh, the um, people he worked with had a, like, 100-page sort of, like, pamphlet of how to to be, just how to behave around Howard Hughes. There were certain things like, um, because he was kind of hypochondriac and was a germaphobe, you had to, if an employee was going to approach him, they had to approach him at an angle, not straightforward.
0: That's annoying. So
1: that the breath so the, the the germs would be directed off to the side and not right into his face because, like, who would do such a thing? You'd have to be a jerk to uh. do that. So, uh, so he was, yeah, real persnickety like a monster. Um, and then Let's just move on to later in his life, I guess, because I don't know. You seem to be running out of steam here.
0: I I am. Let me tell you what's happening right now with my body is that about every hour I have to change my super tampon and it looks like a jar of black raspberry jam. So uh, I'm not in my top condition and I've been sitting upright for an hour, and uh, it's, it's difficult for me. I'm not looking for pity, but I'm just saying that um, I've had a miscarriage and that this what's happening to me right now is definitely worse. Uh, <laughs> and if I had the strength, I would challenge God to a parking lot fight, but I'm not strong enough to do that right now. Uh, And I apologize, Robert Love. It's just the thing about Howard Hughes is that this motherfucker did too much. Like, he just did too much. How the fuck can I keep up with this story? He invented 17 fucking planes and movies. He had an electric bicycle. Uh, He fucking kept his fingernails in a jar, I think. And, like, let's just get to the salacious thing because <laughs> he's fucking – he's married to people, which is, like, impressive. Uh, okay. And and I'll be honest. Like, that's what I care about more is the pulpy celebrity shit. Um, uh, let's see. Apparently, people thought he fucked Jean Harlow because they went to the premiere of Hell's Angels together, but um, in one unauthorized biography, they said that Hughes really disliked Jean Harlow as a person Um, and that he would never have fucked her. But uh, he genuinely liked and respected Jane Russell and never sought romantic involvement with her, although... Uh, Russell's autobiography says he tried to fuck her after a party, but she was married, so she refused him. Um, there was a yacht he had, a a luxury steam yacht, but he fucked ladies on that. Um, oh, he killed someone. Hell yeah. Why did you? Wait, what? He fucking killed someone. He fucking did a Caitlyn Jenner. Okay, in 1936, he struck and killed a pedestrian named Gabrielle S. Meyer with his car in Los Angeles. Um, After the crash, he was taken to the hospital and certified as sober, but an attending doctor made a note that he had been drinking. Um, A witness said he was driving... Well, he was
1: also probably on painkill. He was on painkillers too. Yeah. But, but also, it's... fuck it. She was probably not wearing high visibility um, clothing. She was probably jaywalking. Whoever this idiot was that got killed by him, it wasn't his fault.
0: Whatever, dude. He did a fucking Caitlyn Jenner, a Clark Gable, whatever you want to call it. He killed someone with his car and um, he was booked on suspicion of negligent homicide but he got an attorney to let him out, and then the coroner uh, deemed him blameless. Um, Hughes told reporters outside of the inquiry, I was driving slowly, and a man stepped out of the darkness in front of me. Fucking murderous faggot. Don't drive drunk, retards. Um, Get an Uber. Uh, this is where someone leaves a negative comment saying, the host uses the R word flagrantly. Um, Anyways,
1: wait, what about the F word? You did both.
0: What did I, what was the F word? Fuck or faggot?
1: Never mind. Just move on. Yeah, move on. Oh, okay. Um,
0: (laughs) The only F word I'm scared of is friendship because emotional intimacy is scary. Okay, so there were some connections. But anyway,
1: so he. Oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You got stuff. There were some
0: connections to Richard Nixon and Watergate?
1: Oh, I never heard about that.
0: It's complicated. I can't explain it.
1: Let's not go into it. I do know that he was reclusive fairly early on. And at one point, he was staying, like, he started just staying in hotels. Like, he just started living in hotels. And at one point, he was staying at the Beverly Hills Hotel. Uh huh. This is, like, back in the 40s. Like, I think when it was, like, late 40s. And, um, he they wanted him to whatever he, he tried to buy the hotel at one point. He tried to offer them like a hundred million dollars for the hotel and they were like, nah, it's not for sale. like maybe maybe it wasn't 100 million, but it was a lot at the time. like it they could have they should have just said, yeah. but <clears throat> they said no. So eventually he moved to Las Vegas and he um it was very instrumental i want to say in moving the mob out of las vegas just by his choice to move there and kind of like set up shop like he did end up and uh buying a hotel where he lived in the penthouse of it for the remainder of his life basically but in the meantime he also set up uh, casinos like he was the ultimate businessman he wasn't just going to sit there and do nothing
0: do you think like he that, started
1: setting up casinos
0: i'm sorry do you yes. do you think that he was obsessed with making money or was he ex- obsessed with achievement um cuz it almost i seems think it like was achievement. achievement more so than being financially i would think motivated. it was achievement
1: yeah it was achievement cuz he obviously squandered his money where it where he felt that it would like add to achievement, yeah, like he was definitely more interested in achievement than money. Um, so, but anyway, like he he's he built I want to say it was like circus circus or something. Like he 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 muscled in on the mobs uh, monopoly of Las Vegas, and that's essentially what led the way toward things like um, what we see now like, the non-mob Vegas.
0: Uh-huh.
1: You know, with all the stupid, kitschy, whatever. It's like a... It's like an amusement
0: park. Yeah. <laughs> you
1: know what I mean? But, so, he was kind of instrumental, or he was instrumental in making that transition sort of take place. So, I mean, that's just another accomplishment of his. He's an American icon. Uh, but during... His stay there, that's when he started getting into his, um, like, crazy phase. Um, and he would only, you know, he, he wouldn't allow people into his, his room. Um, obviously, you mentioned, like, the, the toenails and things. There's a theory that he may have suffered from a condition called, I think it's called, like, allodynia, where any contact... With like just uh, touching your skin hurts, like it, just like pain from touching. Like he was, he was reported, he was reported to answer the door to his hotel room, where it was just basically holding a handkerchief over his dick. Um, because and the theory goes that <clears throat> clothing, even like a shirt on on your body like causes so much pain if you suffer from this like allodynia or whatever it is. Uh-huh. That uh and that also is the reason why his fingernails would be so long is because like the process of trimming the fingernails was like excruciatingly painful. Yeah. So
0: um... he was
1: undiagnosed. He was not like a crazy monster. He was just like a guy suffering from mental <laughs> Disab- well, you know apparently, I mean? like,
0: too, there were head injuries and neurosyphilis, which is the psychological impact right. of long-term syphilis. Um,
1: uh, d- maybe from banging Ginger Rogers. Or
0: someone, and then he fucking spread it around. Uh, okay, can I read from the wiki some of the things about the progression of his mental problems?
1: I wish you would.
0: Okay, thank God. Uh, Hughes was wildly considered eccentric and also to have suffered with severe obsessive-compulsive disorder. Uh, he ate the same thing for dinner every night, a New York strip steak-cooked medium-rare dinner salad and peas, but only the smaller peas, pushing the larger ones aside. For breakfast, he wanted his eggs cooked the way his family cooked. Lily made them. Um, he had a uh, phobia about germs, and uh, to quote uh, Marlene Dietrich, his passion for secrecy became mania. Uh, during direct, While directing The Outlaw, he became fixated by a small flaw in one of Jane Russell's blouses, claiming the fabric bunched up along a seam and gave the appearance of two nipples on each breast. He wrote a detailed memorandum to the crew on how to fix the problem.
1: Um, oh, I remember the story. They said they fixed it, uh-huh. and then they just didn't and told him that they did and he was like okay okay.
0: oh my god that's hilarious um, in 1958 uh-huh, yeah. he told his aides he wanted to screen some movies at a film studio near his home he stayed in the studio's darkened screening room for more than four months I remember this from the movie The Aviator he never left he ate only chocolate bars and chicken and drank only milk and was surrounded by dozens of Kleenex that he continuously stacked and rearranged He wrote detailed memos to his aides, giving them explicit instructions, neither to look at him nor speak to him unless spoken to. Okay, Ellen DeGeneres. Throughout this period, he sat (laughs) fixated in his chair, often naked, continually watching movies. That sounds fun. Uh, He invented binge watching, so he was continuing to, you know, pioneer things. See,
1: an innovator. Yeah. He was an innovator. When
0: he emerged in the summer of 1958, his hygiene was terrible. He had neither bathed nor cut his hair and nails for weeks. This may have been due to the allodynia that you have mentioned, which results in a pain response to stimuli that would not normally cause pain. After the screening room incident, Hughes moved into a bungalow at the Beverly Hills Hotel, where he also rented rooms for his aides, his wife, his numerous girlfriends. How fun for everyone. He's like the fucking, who's that, the um, king of that one country we did an episode about? Who rented out a hotel? Oh, yes,
1: Thailand.
0: Oh, yeah. King of Thailand. Yeah, the King of Thailand. Everyone check out that episode, (laughs) Rob and I did. He rented out an entire hotel in Germany (laughs) during COVID for him and his girlfriends. Um, He would, okay, uh, at the Beverly Beverly Hills Hotel, he would sit naked in his bedroom with a pink hotel napkin placed over his genitals watching movies. This may have been because Hugh found the touch of clothing painful... Due to allodynia, he may have watched movies to distract himself from his pain, a common practice among patients with intractable pain, especially those who did not receive adequate treatment. Also, long-term use of opiates fucks up your pain um, sensitivity. So, like, when people have been opiate abusers, they often, like, they will develop this thing where like any touch like everything is screaming in pain and that's why like it's not the best idea just to long-term drown pain with opiates i remember on celebrity rehab the guy who played Kanicki in greece he had this issue where he had been abusing opiates for his back pain but then without the opiates like His like he was in horrible, horrible pain, and they explained how that happens and how it fucks up your nerve receptors, etc. Um, okay, where was I going for this? Okay, he uh, he spent in one year, he spent an estimated 11 million at the hotel. He began purchasing restaurant change and four star hotels that had been founded within the state of Texas. This included, if only for a short period, many unknown franchises currently out of business. Who cares? Uh, Let's see. (laughs) Another time he became obsessed with a 1968 film. I can't believe he's still alive. Uh, The film was called Ice Station Zebra, and he had it run on a continuous loop in his home for... Allegedly 150 times. He just played this ice station zebra on repeat. Um, Feeling guilty about the commercial critical and rumored toxicity of his film, The Conqueror. He bought every copy of the film for 12 million. Watching that on repeat, uh, blah, blah, blah. He insisted on using tissues to pick up objects to insulate himself from germs. He would notice dust stains, other imperfections on other people's clothes, and demand that they take care of them. Rude. Um, Let's see his behavior, his whereabouts. Who gives a fuck? Okay, later years in Vegas. Okay, he moved to Vegas on a railway car. Um, (laughs) I don't know, man.
1: We're, I think we're good. I think we've done it. I can't. Um, this died. dude's can life is, like, too to... fucking
0: long.
1: I know. I he know. Died it's of... too much. for. It should be a two-part.
0: Yeah, and I can't. Okay, an autopsy-recorded kidney failure is his cause of death. Um, in an 18-month study investigating his drug abuse uh, as part of, like, the estate you know, whatever. It was found that uh, someone administered a deadly injection of the painkiller to this comatose man, obviously, needlessly, and almost certainly fatal.
1: Oh, shit. I hadn't heard about that. Um, The murder of Howard Hughes. You heard it here first. Yeah. On uh, sex, drugs, and spirituality. Yeah,
0: apparently at the end, his reclusiveness and his drug use made him uh, unrecognizable, his hair, beard, fingernails, and toenails were long. His tall six foot four frame now weighed barely 90 Sounds like pounds. Me. 90 pounds. And the FBI well. had to use fingerprints to conclusively identify the body. Um, Howard Hughes' alias, John T. Conover, was used when his body arrived at a Morgan, Houston, on the day of his death. Um,
1: I think Dr. Lin- Linda Hazard would have um, had a field day with
0: her. Oh, nice tie in. Everyone should listen to that episode Hey-o. that Rob and I did. It wasn't, we did the title, wasn't Dr. Lin- Linda Hazard. What was the name of it? It was
1: Starvation her, Heights.
0: Starvation Heights.
1: Starvation Heights.
0: Yeah, everyone listen yeah. to that. I'm I'm less angry or crabby or perioding during that one. Um, okay, so he's 90 pounds at his death. He's six foot four. He died of kidney failure or a painkiller overdose. He had mal- malnutrition, bed sores. Uh, his kidneys were damaged. Apparently, his other internal organs, including his brain, which had no visible damage or illnesses, were deemed perfectly healthy. What? No, but he Get had... Get out. Yeah, his brain... Syphilis. Um, x-rays revealed oh my god Rob stop it I can't believe I'm about to say this x-rays revealed five broken off hypodermic needles in the flesh of his arms
1: right right I think he was supplementing his pain medication yeah I think he was shooting himself up but I, I I read that same thing I forget what I yeah, anyway. Cuz
0: hypodermic needles back then were made out of glass and apparently the needle became oh. like detached from the syringe easily cuz like now they're plastic they, they they figured it out. But like
1: no, they're metal.
0: No, they're metal. no, the the fucking syringe is plastic and the needle is oh. metal. But back then it was a metal needle with Wait. a a glass syringe. So,
1: well, wait, what was stuck in his arm? The syringe or the, the needle?
0: needle? So the needles would come apart yeah. from the glass. The metal needle would easily oh, come right. apart from the glass syringe. And so the needles were stuck in his arm. And he had five of them just fucking lost in there. That is horrific.
1: Well, I, yeah. During my late teen years, I knew some heroin Addicts and uh, breaking the tip off in your vein in your arm is not like um, unheard of.
0: Gross.
1: Yeah, sometimes the tip breaks off.
0: I've but never, that just says to me
1: that he was.
0: I've never had that. He I've was, never had he the was, tip break off. I've broke that back. <laughs> I've been known to break that back. I broke the tip back. off.
1: I broke. I broke the tip off in your mom last night.
0: Um, good for her. Uh, no, my mom doesn't fuck white dudes, but, um, I mean, except for my dad, but n- not since then. So she would not be interested with your scrawny Caucasian body. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe put some meat and some melanin on it and then you could get into Deborah's panties.
1: So Howard Hughes died. Let's, let's, let's end this. He, um. What? Yeah, I think, you know what? I think, Sydney, I think he was, if he was 90 pounds and six foot four, I don't think he was long for the world. I think whoever, like, possibly injected him with that um, lethal dose of whatever it was, I think they were kind of doing him a favor.
0: Yeah, it kind of, I mean, dude, like, yeah, it, it, it sounds like it was a bad situation and maybe it was time for him to go. Like, he would need, because he needed to be euthanized. So, like, he was in a coma and they alleged that someone after he was already in a coma injected him with a lethal dose of painkiller. And that's fucking fine. Yeah. Because you know what? They fucking do that. I heard they do that with terminal cancer patients. Like, because they'll have the, um, Opiate drip, Like that line and they can press the button when they're on pain. And there's like in the machine, there's like a thing, you know, so you can't overdose yourself by keep clicking governor. But if you're yeah. you have terminal cancer, they they'll like turn that off and they'll be like, you can just listen like human euthanasia is not legal but if you happen to like press this button a few more times a few extra times and go night night forever to put you out of your horrible fucking pain cuz you're dying anyways like have at it so yeah i
1: so what what year what year was it that he cuz i heard he died on an airplane on his way to seek further medical treatment. Yes. But what year was 1976, it?
0: 1976. Yeah. He was on a Learjet owned by Robert Graf and piloted by Jeff Abrams. Abrams. I know everyone was dying to know that. He was en route so, from his penthouse yeah. at the Acapulco Princess Hotel in Mexico to the Methodist Hospital oh. in Houston. And so, yeah, he oh, died. The town named on that after flight. him.
1: Yeah. So I think that's probably when the the fatal dose was delivered, right? Yeah.
0: And like some people like had conspiracy theories that he faked his own death. Um
1: What? <laughs> and he's still living. Yeah. Healthy and alive. Just yeah. Uh, yeah. No,
0: yeah. This no. is following <laughs> his death, Hughes was subject to several widely rebuked conspiracy theories that he faked his own death. A notable allegation came from retired Major General Mark Music, a Assistant Secretary of the Air Force, who claimed Hughes went on to live under an assumed identity dying on November 15th, 2001, in Troy, Alabama. Fuck, maybe we should do a Patreon where we talk about this conspiracy theory, because I, you know, I love that, because that's fucking ridiculous. Um,
1: that is absolutely insane. And,
0: and there because there's no meat on those bones, it'll be easier to research and I won't get so angry about how much information there is.
1: and you won't be perioding probably
0: probably I like and I don't want it to I like I don't want my life to be like this where I'm like uh no episode this week I'm on my period or like I had a friend who wanted to go to San Diego this weekend and like I was like uh I can't I'm gonna be on my period and therefore I am I can't function as a human being but it just it is where it is I think, like, my periods Six. seem to be less bad when I do cardio in addition to Pilates. And now it's getting to be, it's almost under 100 degrees here. So I'll be able to roller skate. And hopefully that'll help make my periods less bad. Because, like, holy fucking Christ. I mean, it, it it's like one of those country stores where there's all manner of marmalades and jams. And it's, but it's like my uterus is the factory and it's fucking horrific like it's not even people will be like oh that scene from the shining where they open the doors and the blood spills out i'm like no this is like just it's full cloths and i i'm you know what it is it's
1: like when you it's like when you um maybe you didn't have this when you were a kid but the stretch armstrong doll uh-huh. Like, um, there was this doll that was called Stretch Armstrong, and you could, like, bend them, stretch them. Yeah, I'm but, familiar. But, like, inevitably, every kid inevitably broke the thing open to see what was inside, and it was like, um, it looked like grape jelly. So, I imagine that's what's coming out of your uterus right now.
0: <laughs> I'm going to look that up right now. Stretch Armstrong. This is what Filling the listeners are whatever. here for. This is people were like I kind of wanted to learn about Howard Hughes but I more so wanted to hear about Sydney's period. Uh why can't I see a picture? It looks like goo. I, is it
1: what color is it? It's
0: like yellow. Oh wait, here this one is oh. red. I found one that's red. Yeah, it looks like that.
1: Okay. Yeah, there we go.
0: Um, yeah, it's, it's that for sure. Um, cool. Yeah. You know what it is? It's that it was like a Nickelodeon Gak type product, but there were like chunky foam beads in it. Um,
1: <laughs> it's that. oh or like boba is it boba
0: it's like yeah it's like just boba it's like caviar <laughs> it's like what's that thing that kids do now they like to make slime and they put like the charms in it like the little like plastic oh. things it's like that it's fucking yeah. horrific um, and it's unfair and I'm personally challenging God to a fight at Madison Square Garden <laughs> and we're gonna sell it out, and uh, I'm gonna win. Is, uh, is,
1: is it gonna be for charity? Where do the, where do the um, proceeds go? The
0: proceeds go to me because I have to, I, my rental is up in four months, and I have to move. So the, the charity is me having a house. I'm gonna sell out Madison Square Garden, and I'm going to defeat God, and I'm gonna buy the palatial estate that I deserve.
1: All right. Oh. Well, keep us keep us up to date.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: Um, I guess Look we... forward to the uh... <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, go ahead. I guess we can tell people to have a happy hump day now and I'm going to go to sleep. Oh yeah.
1: Have a happy hump day and um uh a uh, less painful Menses to all of our listeners.
0: Yeah, to that. <laughs> Cheers. Fuck faces. <laughs> Oh, Rob, I'm sorry.